and welcome to Poly Pages, the podcast where genuine poly people read the texts that have shaped our community and culture. I'll come out when I'm ready. Don't lock the door. Take me in. Hi, I'm Krista. Hi, I'm Sydney. I use they them pronouns. And Sydney, where in the world are you? I am located in what is colonially known as Philadelphia, but also Lena Hoping. I'm in the Eastern Standard part of the U.S. right now. Well, we're so excited uh, to have you join us today. I am talking to you from San Francisco and uh, really excited to chat with you (laughs) about poly breakups and um, more specifically surviving poly breakups. So in our book club right now, um, we are reading Polyamory Breakup Book by Kathy Labriola. Last time we talked about um, part one and the the common causes of of breakups. And so we're sort of skipping around a little bit um, to talk more about survival techniques. so our, our book club has been reading part three for, for the last couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing more uh, about your experiences and any, any wisdom you can give our listeners and our, our book club members about um, surviving poly breakups. Before we jump in, um, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, um, if you'd like to you know, introduce yourself a little bit more, more fully, tell us more um, just about your experiences in the poly community? So my name is Sydney. I am an agender, non-binary, femme, Chinese-American person, human. Um, I'm a non-monogamy sex educator, but also multifaceted creative. Like I just started doing culinary stuff last week and I'm loving it. Someone who's local and that I didn't, that I don't nest with. So someone that I don't live with. Um, and I've been non-monogamous for like, I guess since 2018, I've been practicing polyamory for almost a year. We're getting there. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Oh, I'm also bisexual. I forgot to add. I feel like that's important to add. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear about the, the breakup that you're currently experiencing. It sounds like um, this conversation is well-timed. <laughs> um, I think it's having a support system outside of like your partners as well. Honestly, my friends have been really, really helpful in this. Shout out to my friend Emily and shout out to my friend B. They've really been holding space for me these past couple of weeks. And I think that's what's been helping me go through this breakup in a better way. And also realizing like what didn't work in that relationship and what won't work moving forward in my other relationships that I still have. I think that's really important. And I think that's like something that you don't necessarily get with monogamous breakups. And it's not, you can't, I guess with monogamous breakups that I had or monogamous breakups I had, you really can't apply it, you know, those lessons right away. Whereas like, With polyamorous breakups, like, yeah, you can apply those lessons right away because you're also in relationship with other humans, even though that relationship structure or dynamic looks different, you still learn about like more about how to, at least with this last breakup, how to center myself because something that I've done that I'm still learning to do is to 
not betray my own boundaries. And that's really fucking hard as a people pleaser. Yes, they're both non-monogamous. So one has similar identities to me. Um, they're uh, Asian, non-binary person. But my other friend is white, but they bring more of the mental health side into things because there was a mental health aspect to this whole breakup that I'm still like working through that. And so hearing those perspectives and having someone to like, not, not like, what's it called? Not whiteboard, but bounce ideas off of, I guess is the- Soundboard? Soundboard, yes, that's the word. Soundboard, like what's happening and like questions to ask myself and also them asking questions has been really, really helpful to allow me to like reflect and think, oh, wait, this relationship wasn't, this breakup that I had, this relationship wasn't working. And how do you think it makes a difference having these friends who are non-monogamous support you through this breakup as opposed to going to people who are monogamous, who may not have that same kind of experience um, to be able to give you support? I think my monogamous friends might not understand like the fact that you can grieve a relationship, but also being in like different relationship dynamics at the same time. I'm sure the, it's like a different type of support because I feel like the monogamous breakups that I've been through, it's so different from like, okay, having a relationship with my anchor partner and then having an LDR comet partner, like that's so different because you're still juggling those two relationships while also grieving. And also my partners have been like really, really like helpful in the ways that they showed up and have shown up. My anchor partner, like he really took it upon himself to like do more of the like housework and stuff that like I know that I can't or have trouble doing when I have less spoons and less uh, energy in general. And also just like letting me grieve about that because something in the past with monogamous relationships is that like the people that I've dated in the past have not let me grieve about past relationships and I think that's also something that's different from monogamous breakups that like there's like no you must be over that person whereas like with polyamory it's like okay we're acknowledging that you're grieving but also you're still in love with all these other people that makes sense (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That kind of leads into one of the other questions I had, which is in in this part of the book, Labriola talks about, um, you know, one of the most important things when navigating through a breakup is is self-care, but then also acknowledges that you have all these other relationships that you have to maintain and there's kind of like a balance there. So how do you navigate self-care when it conflicts with maintaining your other relationships? Are you somebody who, you know, needs a lot of time to yourself to just kind of like process and grieve? Do you need that more like um, explicit support from your partners? Like what is, what does that balance look like for you? For me, it's needed more community support. And I think something that does conflict is that like my partner works full time and works from home. So like realizing where I need to balance and also checking in with him and as well as my other LDR partner, like checking in like, hey, is this something that you can support me with so that they, (laughs) so that there's active consent in that conversation is something that 
I've been navigating and also being okay with alone time. I know that's, that's been like troubling for me throughout my whole life, but especially in relationships, I'm like, wait. And then I remember that I have hobbies. Cause I feel like that happens after every breakup that you remember you have hobbies. I'm like, wait, oh, these are things that I can do. <laughs> um, and I think that's something that I'm slowly getting back into like having hobbies again. Cause I feel like when I was dating this person that I broke up with, like it would contain every like Monday was our day. So I've been so used to that. And so given myself other things to do on Mondays and now Monday's therapy day, <laughs> actually it's a good thing because I was going to therapy bi-weekly before. And then I realized, wait, you know what? I got to change therapy to weekly. And now therapy is on Mondays since my therapist had to change the time since that was like the most open time slot. And I think that's helping a lot because therapy for me is self-care because I just talk to my therapist about, hey, I'm having these issues. I realized that like, wait, I can do all these other relationships and can show up in these relationships. It might not be the same as before, but I realized like, so I've been going to peer support with my friend Emily because she's just like, every time we text about things, I'm like, wait, this makes so much sense. This is helping my brain. Yeah. And, and that brings up another question for me about, um, you know, grieving your losses. And one of the chapters in this section talks about grieving as well as learning what lessons you can from the relationship. So how do you know for yourself when to kind of let yourself wallow in that grief, maybe, you know, eat ice cream straight from the carton versus transitioning to that perspective of, okay, I'm trying to move on from this. What lessons can I learn? How can I like, um, you know, move out of the grief into kind of just becoming a better version of myself and, and um, bettering my relationships from this experience? I think it's not linear because I've had times where randomly in the last two weeks, I'll just like cry. And I'm just like, wait, why is this happening? Oh, right. I just went through a breakup or I'm going through it. I think therapy, I'm always, <laughs> I feel like my first answer is always like therapy. So if you can get therapy and you have like a polyamorous friendly therapist, I think that's really helpful to have that space to reflect on like what didn't work and what you want in the future peer support has also helped in that way for me to realize like oh I was actually betraying myself in this relationship and also I didn't communicate enough and that also gives me better clues on like okay how can I bring this to my other relationships that I have and how can I work that in to like center in me while being in relationship with someone something that I learned at least from this last breakup is that like I don't need to center my identity around anyone of any gender and I think that's like the epiphany that I had like every breakup even like monogamous or monogamish breakups that I had from like 2019 like I still grieve those at times it doesn't hurt as much but it's still like grief pops up every now and then about like oh what could have been I just know for me grief has never been linear yeah, totally. I, I think that's such an important point. And sometimes you don't know 
until, until it hits you. Like maybe there was an activity that you and your partner did together that like you don't do for a while. And then that comes up in like some other context and you're like, oh, wait, I used to do that with this person. Oh, that kind of hurts. Um, and, and there are, there are just these little random things like a song that will, that will come up that you haven't heard in a while. And, and then that, that can like put you right back into that grief space. Um, and, and I think the important thing is to just kind of be gentle on yourself too, when, when those times do come up and you're like, oh, I thought I was over this, but really, you know, it's just kind of letting yourself feel those things when, when they do happen. Definitely. One of the other things that Labriola talks about in this section is handling the public relations of a breakup. And mo most of the anecdotes in that chapter talk about how to talk about your breakup with friends and family, but people who are not non-monogamous. Um, and so while that is sort of an, uh, an important thing to kind of keep in mind, um, how to talk to, to people in your life who, who maybe don't understand the complexities of navigating a polyamorous or non-monogamous breakup. Um, one of the things that I found was lacking from this section is, is how do you handle the, the public relations of, of a breakup within the context of um, a, a polyamorous community? So, um, you know, what do you think about handling a, a, a breakup when you and, and that ex-partner have shared connections, um, maybe even shared partners with, within, um, within a community. Oh, this is a good one because I've been like, think about this myself. So I actually invited this ex-partner that I had a breakup with to like all these polyamorous discords and non-monogamy discords. And so I had to block them because they just like, there was a lot of fucked up shit in that breakup where a this person wasn't being transparent or even communicating about these white partners that they have had something like that I, i'm honestly still not sure to this day um and b they just weren't communicating like what's this change dynamic even though it was clear that they wanted to break up and i'm just like girl, why didn't you just say that? Like, it, it, it's so easy. <laughs> I get that it's hard to be the one who's breaking up, but also like, instead of ghosting, <laughs> and like, when I asked for that conversation, they were like, oh, I don't have spoons, but I'll, I'll text you when I will. And like, it was clear that it was over, but also I'm just like, uh, okay. And so I invited them to these shared spaces because they learned about polyamory through me which uh, definitely made me feel a type of way when they were shown off their, when I later found out that it, they were shown off their white partners as someone who is racialized. It definitely made me feel like, oh, so I was just like this exotic thing that you like had a thing for, with, for six months, but now you're going around telling everyone that you're polyamorous and partner. As someone who is a non-monogamy educator, like, people who know about these breakups it's on my close friends list so in that way I can control who sees it and then b I don't name names like I didn't even name their name when we started dating just because I'm like well if you know who it is you'll know who it is but if you don't you don't too bad um and I think that's something that I'm still figuring out to be honest like 
I recently in my mod introduction in one of the channels that I in one of the discords that I mod a channel in I just take the author name as partner and it just felt weird and also made me feel like oh my god I feel like so silly that I even did this in the first place <laughs> like I don't want to demonize them because of mental health stuff especially as someone who also has mental health stuff like I don't want to demonize other people with mental health stuff. So I'm not one to like blast people. It, it takes me time to even blast people or sometimes get angry about stuff because I don't want to like exile them or alienate them from communities. But also at the same time, I'm like, well, I want you to be accountable. But also what would that, like, where would that put me? And also where, where would that get me? Is that even helping me move on? Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm like not about naming names. I've never been about that. I think it's also navigating, okay, how do I want to share these spaces? Because I still haven't figured out like, okay, I'm uncomfortable with them, but that feeling could change. It could become neutral or just like, whatever. Whereas like right now, I'm just like, oh my God, I don't want to talk to this person. So I just blocked them on everything and left it at that. Because I'm like, okay, I won't have to see their post. I won't have to interact with them. If they want to interact with me, my email's public. It's on a public Instagram. They can email me if they really want to. And also, who do I tell? Because I know that there's certain like people who mod these groups, but also I'm like, wouldn't that be unfair? But also some of these people are my friends. So I'm just like, what do I do? Yeah, I, th I think it can definitely be tricky. And one of the things that Labriola uh, touches on in, in that part of the book is that you know, because the polyamorous and non-monogamous communities are small, some of the people that you're you're talking to, you know, maybe potential partners for this person that you broke up with, or vice versa, and and it just it it can get complicated when when that community is small to know how to navigate support while being um, respectful of people's privacy and and um, and things like that when there are shared connections. Yeah. And also like, since this person's local, I'm like, do I tell my polyamorous friends who are local about what happened? Would that be unfair to them? Would that be unfair to my friends? I think something that I've learned ironically from monogamous breakups is that people can change and that's a possibility. I think that's just like something that I thought about from like learn from transform justice is that like people can change and be different people with different people. But also I'm just like, then where's the accountability? Then how do you weigh that? And how do you weigh when someone's done something like really fucked up? Like, does it give you like, does it give you, I guess, validation or whatever, not validation, that's not the word. Does it give you like the okay, I guess, to like notify other people is this going to be something that pops up in other breakups with this person like I don't know and also I'm just like well if I don't know any other exes then how can I have an answer because then when it becomes a community problem I feel like the especially as a survivor of intimate partner violence in the past I feel like okay if it's a trend and a pattern then like I feel like I should speak up but like if I don't know if it's a trend and a pattern, then like, do I stay quiet? Again, that balance of like, am I demonizing this person or holding them accountable? Yeah. And, and there's no, 
there are no scripts. There's no guidebook for, for navigating this kind of thing. Um, and I think it, it even more so it's trickier in the, the polyamorous and non-monogamous communities where again, that dating pool is so much smaller and there are people that, you know, you're going to run into um, with, with shared connections and, and things like that. Like, okay. There's the sex toy store that one of their partners works at. And now I feel like I can't go there, even though it's like the best sex toy store in the city. And I'm just like, damn it, come on. <laughs> um, switching gears a little bit, I wanted to ask, what do you think are some of the differences between surviving like a full on breakup um, where you and, and that partner just agree to go your separate ways uh, versus surviving a relationship de-escalation where maybe, you know, you're living with a partner, you have that nesting partner and, and you take that um, relationship into a different phase where maybe you don't live together anymore. Um, do you think, do you think there are differences in, in navigating those two different situations or is the process of surviving those, those transitions different? I think, so I've never gone through a de-escalation. This was the, that breakup that happened was supposed to be a de-escalation, did not necessarily go as planned. Um, and I think surviving a de-escalation is like, at least from what I know and this experience that I just had, I think it's more, and I've had it in monogamous context too, so like a monogamous ex of mine, we had a de-escalation where we decided to be friends for a while till we were not friends. Sometimes there's more conversations around boundaries. At least that's what I foresee with that monogamous breakup slash de-escalation of that dynamic is that there were more talks about boundaries. There was also like, at least with that monogamous breakup de-escalation situation, there was definitely like, certain topics were off limits because like it would get him jealous or it would make me jealous. Um, whereas I think a breakup, I think there's more tension with that and a different kind of tension. Whereas like, okay, in a de-escalation, you're still trying to figure out a way, like how can we make this work in a new form versus like a breakup, like this is not working, bye. Um, and I think surviving a full-on breakup is different in terms of like that person just like is completely out of your life versus a de-escalation that person is still in your life but in a different dynamic which also is painful in its own way um I remember when I was going through that de-escalation and breakup with um someone that I had been monogamously partnered or monogamously partnered with that it was really hard because like I was still in love with him, but he didn't necessarily feel the same way. And I think navigating those feelings was really hard without friendship because like you love your friends, right? But also like you love this person as a partner too. So there's that different like element. Surviving that took more pain than it did surviving like a breakup that I just had. There's like definitely pain with that breakup, but it's not the same type of pain as like if I were to like de-escalate and be friends with them. Because for me at first, that's just not possible for me. If you like, if someone hurts me in such a way that like, that I, that I like, um, shoot, what are the words? Um, 
that I like feel slighted by, but not like in a revenge way, but more in a like, oh my God, this actually hurts my heart way. Like it, it tugs on my trauma type of way. I think that hurts in a different way than it does like de-escalate in a relationship and de-escalate in a relationship in that kind of situation would be so much more different than like de-escalate in a relationship and a dynamic in like a situation where you both realize where it's not working. Yeah. And I think that's something that with a full on breakup, sometimes you don't always get the closure. And that's something that I've had to learn multiple times, both in like monogamous settings. And then also in this last non-monogamous breakup, like, okay, you won't always get closure and you have to deal with that Sydney. And that's so tough for me because I'm like someone who like craves closure and craves like a book end in. And so that's been hard for me to work through because it's like, okay, I wanted to say all these things and you didn't even give me the chance to say that. You just decided to walk away and not say anything at all. And then post all over in these local groups or like mutual groups that like, oh my God, my DMs are open and polyamorous and partnered when you literally don't know how to break up with someone like that just feels so disingenuous to me at least that's how I felt yeah it's so hard when so many things get left unsaid well I thought to wrap up I would ask uh what are some of the most important lessons that you've learned from your poly breakups I know you're in the middle of one right now so maybe you know those lessons are still coming to you but um you know when you reflect on your your previous experiences what are some of the um you know the most important things you you've taken from those breakups I think a theme throughout all these breakups including the current one is like not to betray myself and that's something that I'm bringing into other relationships too that I still have and I think that's something that we often forget when we like meet people is to not betray ourselves also something that I've been learning is to like oh my god I said this in a text to one of my friends I'm like what was it you know mental health doesn't it doesn't like give an excuse for like egregious behaviors with this last breakup I was excusing it because of their mental health but like my friends were like no Sydney would you would you say that if they didn't have a mental health issue and I was like no that's so true and also like I don't need to meet people off of apps I just need to become friends with people and then see where it goes and I think that's something that I'm questioning like oh am I demisexual or somewhere on the ace spectrum because I never thought about that until my therapist was like did think about this before and then one last less transparency transparency and honesty and like what polyamory you practice because it wasn't clear what this person practiced or what type of polyamory they were trying to practice And I think that's something that I need to know from the get-go, like, okay, here are my priorities, like, do you prioritize people of color? And what kind of polyamory do you practice? Because for me, hierarchical polyamory does not work because it triggers a bunch of shit for me. Whereas non-hierarchical polyamory, it feels better for me. The fact that in this whole breakup situation that I've been going through is that the person started prioritizing their white partners. It again, like amplified that trauma that I already have. And it made me realize that I can't really date people who prioritize white people. 
it's one thing if like, okay, they happen to date white people, but like they mainly don't and have insecure attachment with myself and then with the person. I think that's like the biggest lessons that I've been learning from this recent breakup. Yeah, your last point about transparency made me think of a, a quote directly from the book. One of the anecdotes about um, from the chapter on grieving your losses, um, this person said, I just need to find an appropriate partner who shares my vision of a poly relationship, knowing who I am and what I want and communi communicating that to any potential partner makes me a much better relationship partner now. And I think that just relates to, to what you were saying about um, going through these breakups. You learn more about yourself and what you want and what you need out of a partner and what you can give as a partner. Um, so I, I just thought that that related to, to what you were saying. And since I have the book out, I actually, I wanted to, to end on this one, one note um, from another anecdote in uh, one of the last chapters, um, one of the, the persons that Labriola interviewed says, people are always talking about protecting their relationships, but that just means they are trying to control things because they are afraid of personal growth and taking risks. Risking losing the relationship is a good thing. It means you are alive and your relationship is growing. Holding onto a relationship that is painful and no longer working is not really protecting anyone. So I put a big star next to that one and it made me think of, you know, that trope, it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Um, I feel like it, it relates because in any relationship, you're going to put yourself out there and, and there's the potential to be hurt. Um, but if you try to keep a relationship safe, you know, you're not really growing from, from that experience. You're not really learning anything from it. Um, so yeah, that, that, that quote just really resonated with me and, and made me think of my own experiences with breakups and, and relationships and, and just how, you know, no matter how hard we try, um, we are going to get hurt along the way, but, but that doesn't mean um, that the, the relationship was a failure or that it, it wasn't worth it. It just, it didn't, it didn't, um, you know, it, didn't last and and that's okay well sydney thank you so much for joining us um it was really great to talk to you you know i hope <laughs> that you uh can be gentle on yourself these these next few weeks as as you are navigating through this current breakup situation um i wanted to give you a chance to plug anything that you know you're currently working on or that you want our uh, listeners and book club members to know about and and just let us know generally where people can find you so my ig is sexy soup dumplings i am currently reworking my website so i have a milkshake up for now and you can buy work. I have a couple workshop replays, specifically one geared towards survivorship with my friend B. Um, that's a $5 plus or whatever you want to donate. You can go do that. That's on my milkshake under coffee. You can buy me a coffee as well. My birthday actually is coming up this Thursday. I'm turning 25. So please feel free to Venmo me or, or like cash at me, whatever you want. And I have a lot of content up on my Instagram that is there for free. So if you get anything out of that content, again, feel free to send monies. 
and also something that I'm planning to do is to open up some one-on-one -on -one peer support sessions. So if people are looking to have someone support them through moving through survivorship and partnerships, like that's something that I have personal lived experience with. Oh, I also have a sub stack. So if you wanna look more into the creative side, I actually write like every couple of weeks something. And so the next thing that's coming out is um, a essay on food is pleasure and how that connects to like, not spirituality, but it connects to like my story and myself. Um, so if you wanna check that out, that's $10 a month for paid subscribers. And there's like also a founding member yearly membership. You can check that out. Yes, awesome. you can check so, me out there. Great. All right. Well, thanks again so much for joining us, Sydney. Take care. Our awesome intro and outro music is by Mint Green, and you can follow them on Instagram and Linktree at Mint Green Music. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Yeah.